Good afternoon, everybody. It is Thursday afternoon, and it is now time for Inside the Eye Live Prime Time. Hey, Fetch. Hey, Fetch. Quiet, quiet. Go ahead. She's she's asking a question. Don't be rude. Don't be rude. Hey, Fetch. Did that woman really say you have garnets of steel and a mind like a freaking laser? Mary, you can't be asking questions like that. This is Inside the Guy Live Prime Time. Why not? Aren't we broadcasting from the Middle East? Well, yeah, but we might be seen as being politically incorrect. You know, the problem is everybody dumps people when there's a, like a sign of, of political incorrectness. Echan, you're always politically correct. Heck, thanks. Does, does that mean we can talk about dumping the Israelis tomorrow? I'm sure you will probably say quite a bit more than that. And now coming to you live from somewhere in the Middle East, this is Inside the Eye Live Primetime with your host, The Fetch. All right. Thank you very much for that, Mary, from Riyadh, the capital of Saudi Arabia. And this is The Fetch. And you are indeed listening to Inside the iLive Prime Time. Now, today's date is Thursday, October the 10th, 2019, and a good Thursday afternoon, early evening to all of you listening in the United States and Canada, and a good late evening to early Friday morning to all of you listening in European and Asian time zones, and of course, wherever you are listening out there on the World Wide Web or FM and micro FM broadcasting outlets, may all be well with you and yours. Quite a warm day here in Riyadh, although comfortably dry, <laughs> beginning to really like that dry weather, and we might add temperatures are actually beginning to fall as we approach the autumn midway point, today's high hit just 96 degrees under largely hazy to sunny skies, while evening temperatures have begun to become quite comfortable as the lower daytime temperatures mean that things cool off a bit better come evening time. Now, we're currently sitting at about 81 degrees at just after 1 o'clock in the morning, and we should hit an overnight low of 75 degrees in the hour before sunrise. Now, we will be seeing a bit warmer temperatures tomorrow and into Saturday, but we are not expected to hit the century mark, and indeed, perhaps temperatures will not rise again above 100 degrees now until next year, and that would be a welcome bit of change to the weather here for the locals. Now, perhaps we will see a little Indian summer. That remains, of course, to be seen. But for many of you in the central to eastern parts of the United States, you're probably wishing you had a bit of Indian summer already because it's just only early October, but winter has already arrived for parts of the United States with some potentially record-breaking snowstorms already on the way. Now, this week, temperatures have dropped across much, as you guys know, the north-central United States and got a major snowstorm coming through, and it's been named already Winter Storm Abbey, the first storm of the year, and it threatens to break October snowfall records, according to the Weather Channel. The National Weather Service office in Bismarck has referred to this storm, which could be hit about 10 different states as a potentially historic October winter storm. So a little bit of excitement for you in the United States. 
Uh, Thursday today afternoon, parts of Colorado had already been hit with about six inches of snow with 2.1 inches reported up in Denver, the mile high city there. And the snowfall came as the city recorded its biggest ever one and two day temperature drop in October. Yesterday, Denver's temperature had a high of 83 degrees. And then by this morning, it was down to 19 degrees in the morning. So that is quite an amazing <laughs> temperature drop. You know, I, I love temperature drops, but that one, that one will really get it done. I think I would kind of like that one. All right. Good, good afternoon, everybody. Hope you're having a great Thursday afternoon. If you're driving in your car, drive safe as you catch next two hours inside the iLive primetime again, right here on Revolution Radio at revolution.radio. And I'm going to make my way over as we speak, uh, to the chat room inside the iLive.com forward slash live underscore chat. And hopefully it's going to load for me quick enough. Yeah, it sure did. That's a nice thing. Let me unattach it from this stream of windows. And where'd you go? I just unattached you, but then you disappeared. There you are. And minimize that thing so I can see it. See, those of you who work the computers, you know exactly what I'm doing. I'm kind of like doing a play-by-play of exactly everything. Now it's blinking yellow, and that means it's not connected yet. And trying to connect via a new port. That's not a great thing to see happening, everybody. So I'm going to have to just go check one more setting here and see if I should not be on. Let me try one more time. Uh, we're trying to obviously get connected. And it's not connecting. That's not a great thing. Unable to connect. So I'm going to change the browsers. How's that sound? We'll change to a different browser. And try to get to the chat room inside the iLive.com. Again, click on the live chat button, though. That will get you in the door. I just wasn't able to connect. But let me try again. Inside the iLive.com forward slash live underscore. Oh, come on, guys. Inside the iLive forward live underscore chat. There it is. And let's see if this will load this time. I think it should load. You'd think it would load, but let's let's see. Otherwise, I'll go to the different computer here. Also, telephone lines, everybody, if you'd like to participate in the show today, one three two three two seven five one three one four. That's one three two three two seven five one three one four. And everything looks connected okay, but things seem to be sure dragging along here. Welcome to Internet in Riyadh. It's just part of the thing, although I have to admit they've done a little bit of improvement here on the internet as of late and I hope we're going throughout smoothly enough. Anybody want to ping me? Uh, that would be a great help. And, uh, I just not loading the chat room guys. It's just not loading. Anyways, uh, big news of course here in the Middle East, you know, it was kind of interesting because, uh, years and years and years ago, I'd cut relations with some people that were involved really back in the early Jordanian days when I was coming to Jordan, I was uh, given very senior level access to quite a few people inside of Iraq and inside of the expat uh, world, kind of like the people in exile from Iraq into Jordan. And uh, these some of these people got back in touch with me this week. And I'm like, what are you getting in touch for? And then, of course, this week we just had this interesting phenomena whereby President Trump has announced now the withdrawal of troops from Kurdistan. Of course, that would be a big interest to this group because a lot of those people are actually Kurdish. I was actually working with Kurds. And if you're not familiar, 
the Kurds were essentially known not just as a U.S. proxy force for quite some time, but they were also known as an Israeli-Jewish proxy force. And consequently, the idea that Trump is withdrawing the true U.S. troops from northern Syria, it's quite frankly, it's it's he tried to do this a few times, if you recall. I think back in December of last year he tried, and I think again in 2017 he tried. And each time he tried to get these troops out, you saw the congressional delegation, which are essentially Israeli operatives, Israeli agents, uh, raising a huge storm. We had that attack on some special op- operations forces uh, up in, I forget the city now, but uh, we had that situation up in northern Syria uh, a year or so ago. And er- the Israeli operatives, the the people that really work for the state of Israel and not the United States, have been working very hard in overtime to keep American troops inside of Syria for as long as possible. It is something that Trump campaigned on to get those troops out. We've been very critical of this issue, although he's always watched it. And sure enough, we are now seeing for the first time some very real video and uh, photographic evidence that the U.S. has hastily, quite frankly, withdrawn troops from northern Syria. In some cases, bases, forward operating bases along the border were essentially left intact, and there was just a withdrawal of troops, leaving essentially the guard towers and the sandbags and a few shacks and things of that nature still up. Uh, the places were being guarded by some Syrian soldiers, not Syrian, some Kurdish soldiers. So all of this is actually going down now. It looks like we have, for sure, as Americans, seen something positive relative to our nationalist in- national interests, and that is to get an, a complete disentanglement from uh, the wars that the neocons had gotten us into. Now, if you remember, not so long ago, Trump had to fire, quite frankly, had to fire uh, John Bolton, who was an absolute raving. Actually, he's an idiot, quite frankly. The guy, for all his supposed brains, he's a, he's, he's a complete moron. Uh, when it comes to actually knowing reality. Uh, this guy lived in his own little tiny little Jewish first bubble. Uh, quite annoying, quite frankly, because a lot of these people that are criticizing uh, U.S. interests. Again, it's it's in American interest to get out of Syria. It's in American interest to get completely disentangled. Stop spending the money and all of this stuff for this crappy shittle country called Israel and get our people home. So anyways, they look like they're finally getting out at least where they've been withdrawn to. I haven't been able to get that information. At least I didn't find it within the short period I've had to study up on this thing. So what's happening here again? You have the pullback in Syria. Turkey's president rests up. Erdogan confirmed the actions hours after the White House said this was going to happen. And then, of course, he has now launched his own invasion now of northern Syria. The U.S. gift is it's seen as a gift. They always the I love the way the media, the Jewish media sells this. Oh, this is a gift to Erdogan. Well, not really. It's not a gift. Uh, again, it's not for the Americans to be up there in northern Syria anyways. Uh, Erdogan is going to take advantage of it, but to call it a gift, again, it's just typical Jewish stupidity when it comes to reporting things in the media. Of course, it's being sold as a stark betrayal of the Kurds. Well, no. Listen, this has been an Israeli operation the whole time. We're not betraying anybody. If Jews want to get their butts up there and make themselves open targets, let them do it. 
Get, get Look, Mr. IDF and everybody else out there, quite frankly, that want to scream and cry, oh, it's a betrayal, tell the Israelis, shut the frick up, get yourself up into northern Syria, show the flag, and, and quit hiding behind American troops, you frickin' cowards. That's really what American people should be saying right now. This level of vociferous pushback. Because who are these people to complain? And for Lindsey Graham, get this guy, get this complete excuse my language, but get this jackass out of office for those of you who are voting this guy. Again, part of it is up to the people to get this jackass out of office. He is a complete buffoon. These guys are protectors of the state of Israel. They do not work for you, the American people. They do not work for the United States. They are agents. They are essentially fifth column traitors within the United States working for an enemy of the American people, and that is the Jewish international globalism and Israel itself. So again, we have this, obviously, it's a great idea. We've been waiting for this to happen. We had over a 1,000 troops up there, believe it or not. Now, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, he led a chorus of Republicans. Uh, he has, of course, defended the president on most issues, but on this issue, he's like he's drawn a big line in the sand. Oh, my gosh, this is a terrible thing, Mr. President. You can't take your troops and, and leave Israel's northern flank open. First of all, it's not open. We know you Israelis, you operatives, you're a bunch of, you're dealing with Jews is just pathetic. But anyways, we're getting out. Uh, McConnell said it would be increasing the risk that ISIS and other terrorist groups regroup. No, Mr. McConnell, if you as a statesman defund the CIA, if you as a statement defund the state of Israel, then there's not going to be the same amount of money left to quote unquote have ISIS reemerge. It's kind of like, you know, you guys, what you're trying to do to, to Iran, you're saying Iran is the terrorist and Iran is a sponsor of terrorism. And oh my gosh, we got to cut the banking system. We got to cut off the oil sales. We got to cut off humanitarian aid. We got to basically starve 90 million people to death because, oh my gosh, the Iranians are the big, bad, evil people around here. But you know what? If you take the exact same mentality, you apply it to the dark side of the CIA and you apply it to the dark side of the state of Israel, which is the entire country. Guess what? You're going to see terrorism dry up overnight. In fact, if you were to say to the Israelis, the next time there's a terrorist attack, you lose Haifa. Guess what? There wouldn't be any more terror attacks because, well, actually, that's not true. Maybe we could just launch a false flag then blame it on the Israelis, and then take out Haifa anyways. That'd be kind of a nice wet dream, wouldn't it? Be kind of cool. Anyways, Trump was saying here, we learned, actually, no, this is McConnell's speaking out there. He said, uh, as we learned the hard way during the Obama administration, listen to this coward talking, American interests are best served by American leadership. Oh, my goodness. I thought I turned that down. Um, Frank, you're calling in early, man. How are you? Hey, Dennis. I'll be brief. Yeah, go ahead. Um, yeah, on the subject of Iran, I uh, uncharacteristically turned on a show, I think it was Monday morning on Republic Broadcasting Network. Uh, John Moore is the host. Now, that's not a show that I listen to. I probably listened to several hours of it over the past, I don't know how many years. Uh, I just don't like the guy, and he's a Zionist. And, uh, you know, he's pro-Israel. And it's it's really uncharacteristic of what I always thought of when I thought of RBN because, you know, it used to be kind of a Jew-wise network, but now it's kind of faltering, it seems to me. But, um, you know, he and his Jewish guest, I'm told this guy who he has on every week is a Jew, 
uh, were basically cheerleading uh, war with Iran and Syria. And they were hyping up the, I, the you know, this story that was uh, making the rounds of uh, U.S. Marine reservists being called up. And they're like, yeah, yeah, they're going to go get, you know, we're going to we're going to go get Iran. And That's I'm thinking, funny. I mean, you guys are out of your damn minds. Yeah. You know, what's funny, too, Frank, is recently there was a very quiet article floated here re- locally here in the local newspapers, whereby. The Saudis are trying to now open up communication channels to Iran to where they are trying to actually start some direct talks between them. And I've been advocating for that, as you know, for years and years. I think they're both strong people, uh, quality people, if you really work with the elite people, and let them hash this out instead of always playing the Jewish game of divide and conquer. Find, let's try to get these guys to find a way to live peacefully and, and let their economies grow. That's what I've been saying for years and years. And that actually did float uh, about three days ago here. So it's kind of interesting what's happening. Well, kind of one of the purpose of my call, and I know Murr listens to your, your broadcast, and I don't know if she's listening today, but she had made a comment. I didn't hear it, but I, uh, somebody told me about it, that this John Moore guy, this host on Republic Broadcasting Monday through Friday, uh, first show in the morning for two hours, uh, he's a Jew. Now, that would explain a lot if that's true, but I don't. He, he was just kind of – he was multitasking. He was actually outside trimming bushes when he was listening. He had his phone in his pocket and was listening to it. And uh, I don't know if she said whether or not how what, – what her source was on that, where where she got that from. But uh, I would like to make a lot out of that if I can, you know, can get corroboration and, and you know, confirm uh, that he is a Jew because that would explain a lot. And uh, uh, one other thing real quick. Uh, people need to listen, I think, to the third hour of Jeff Rents from, I think it was Tuesday night with that Gilbert, Joel Gilbert guy who did the, the work on, uh, Obama's father, Frank Marshall Davis, uh, Obama's real father. But, um, he had, he, he's got some new developments that nobody's talking about yet on, um, uh, this witness tampering. Apparently the, the, the individual that, testified as being Trayvon Martin, remember the Florida case, that started this whole thing. I, I don't know when it was. It's been a year, many, it might have been 2012 yeah, or something. Yeah, I think 2014. That's what started this yeah. whole Black Lives. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, it's a while. I think 2014, but go ahead. Okay, well, anyway, um, the, uh, the, the person that testified in court to being his girlfriend and having been on the phone with him uh, while all this was going on, you know, and they, of course, made, you know, for people that don't remember, uh, they made this guy Zimmerman. He was the defendant. They made him out to be a conservative Republican uh, white guy. Now, of course, he didn't look white at all. He was Hispanic. His mother was Hispanic. His father is a Jew, a judge, I believe. Uh, and he was also a registered Democrat and a big Obama supporter and actually worked with, quote unquote, uh, underprivileged black youth, uh, you know, in the area, uh, where he was, but he was the, um, uh, what do you call it? The, uh, community watch guy or whatever. And they were having a lot of problems with break-ins and he saw this guy acting suspiciously, Trayvon Martin, who they portrayed as this tiny little kid who was, you know, on his way to the library to get some books or something. And of course the guy was a thug. I mean, he was a very troubled individual. 
uh, and he was, he was, he was rather large and he, you know, for his size. And, uh, anyway, he was beating the living, you know, what out of Zimmerman, uh, as he was calling the police on him to come and investigate what he was doing in the neighborhood. It looked like he was casing apartments to break into. He probably was, you know, the perpetrator that had done some of that. And, um, Anyway, it, it resulted, he got on top and was wailing on Zimmerman, and Zimmerman was able to uh, retrieve his 9mm uh, handgun, and he shot him in the chest, I think, and it, you know, it resulted in his death. But apparently, uh, he was on the phone while Zimmerman was stalking and hunting him, this white man conservative uh, Donald Trump supporter. Of course, Donald Trump wasn't in the picture back then, but now, now if it happened, it would be. But anyway, the, the person that testified in court was not even his girlfriend. They had the attorney, that black guy, you'd know him if you saw him, uh, and, and the, the, uh, the Obama's Justice Department, they actually got this girl and put her up to testifying in court because his real girlfriend wouldn't do it. She said, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to be a part of it. Uh, and it was all, totally her testimony was totally fabricated. Yeah, there was some very um, so anyway, Frank, a major story. Yeah, Frank, there was actually a lot of uh, very high level secret type of organizations involved in that. And people gave me some of that information, but I did never ran with it. But I do know there was a lot of high level stuff straight on into the Obama White House itself that was involved exactly. in the cover. That's my point. And, That's and there's a documentary film on it now. There's yeah. a documentary film. Yeah, I knew about this it. almost in uh, real time, but we couldn't go live because it was too dangerous back then because they controlled the government. Okay, well, there's a, a new documentary film that's just come out. Nobody even most nobody even knows about it. People I listen to, nobody's talked about it yet. Uh, I encourage one guy to watch it. He's a host, uh, a good host on RBN, and he he said it's jaw dropping. Okay, and you know I, I encouraged him to to listen to it. So now he understands why, uh, you know, the importance of it because it demonstrates the levels to which uh, our enemy is willing to go to push this anti-white agenda to try and incite black the black community against white people um and it also shows the the level to which they're able to just get away with it and it like you said it went all the way to the justice department and and the white house you remember obama came out uh the day after that testimony and said if i had a son it, he would have been trayvon martin i mean he he was in on it Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There was. The I don't know. It's too many years now. I don't remember. But they actually gave me one of our researchers that contributes to the show gave me some information as to exactly what what this particular group was, and it was some type of quote unquote community community outreach group. And basically, though, it's highly secretive. And this group was going around setting these things up all over the country. And Trayvon Martin's case that was one of the big ones they got away with. And then we had the Michael Brown case, um, you know, uh, later in, in Missouri, uh, the, the big black guy, bully, uh, who the cop ended up shooting when he was trying to take his gun away. Uh, and then, you know, the, the, the Jesse Smollett case, and, and he just got away with all that. Yeah, Scott they free. just, that's got, that's uh, getting And, and then this basically. latest case. Yeah, again, you know. The, 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 yeah, <laughs> the, you know, it goes on and on. And the, the, the thing is, people say, well, yeah, but that's old news, Frank. Yeah, but it continues. It's happening all the time, and it's going to keep happening. And, and then the, the white male is being demonized as the problem. I'm going to tell you something. I watch enough of the news here locally. I mean, we have an epidemic crime problem coming out of the black males. And yes. nobody says nobody's demonizing them. They keep putting them up on a pedestal. And if anything, they say, well, the problem is the uh, white people just aren't doing enough to help these 
these these black criminals. You know, I had a white guy. I called him a, the my my liberal guy. He was a liberal. Uh, he came. He was from California or Denver or something like that. And he had the exact same attitude you're talking about. And I'm saying, dude, have you ever been to the inner city? Have you really gone to the inner city? You can't do anything for these people, no matter how much money you throw at them. There's nothing you can do except for perhaps wall them off, put them on a re- reservation, and just try to keep them from doing harm to the rest of us. That's what happened in black uh, or South Africa. Let's call it apartheid and let them live their own lives the way they want, but get the heck out of our society. You don't want to be a part of our society. You want your own and you want to impose yourself upon us, so get out of our country. That's That's what apartheid really was all about. They got tired of all this black crime. And now look at the country in South Africa. And we're not much different. The difference is we don't have police and we don't have paramilitaries dealing with the problem like they had in South Africa. Well, I guess I lied. I said I was going to be brief. I hope the audience <laughs> doesn't mind too much, but well, hopefully they'll find that interesting. It's just interesting perspective. So anyway, I'll, I'll let you get back to it. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks so much. That's Frank, everybody, uh, with a very brief call. He did say he was going to be brief. That was pretty darn brief. Uh, chat room, we're going pretty much Getting close to a break here, I'm sure. Uh, chat room's open inside the iLive.com. Click on the live chat button. Kind of quiet there. Hans joined us today. Hey, Han, what's happening? And then uh, what else? Uh, telephone lines again, one three two three two seven five one three one four. And uh, that would have been great if we went right into a break right then and there, guys. That would have been like perfect timing. But. We missed it. Did you see? I gotta fill some time here. Did you guys see uh, that stupid story coming out of London, Gatwick, or one of those airports? You have some of these extinction event lunatics, and I don't know the names, but this guy was a Paralympics guy, and he got on top of the airplane, airplane uh, passenger plane, commercial passenger plane, and glued himself to the top of the fuselage. That's how insanely stupid we have as far as our activists nowadays. Uh, so basically, we learned today that the extinction people are absolutely needing to be extinct because they're stupid. Uh, they couldn't survive in a world that was actually competitive. Anyways, it's the Fetch, everybody, Inside the Eye, live intelligent media. Actually, it's Inside the Eye, prime time. Back with more right after this. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's the Fetch, Inside the Eye, live prime time, Thursday, October 10. Wow, 10, 10, 19. Uh, good afternoon. Hope things are going well with you, wherever you're listening out there on the World Wide Web. It's one thirty-two in the morning here in Riyadh. It's warm. Quite frankly, I've turned all the air conditioners off and things like that just because it's, you know, it's kind of like blowing in my face and onto the microphone and stuff like that. So I had to turn it off. All right. But so it's hot. But I'm sure a lot of you people out there in America right now, especially in the middle part of the country, are saying, hey, bitch, uh, we'll take your hot over this, what we're getting nowadays, anytime. Uh, it's listener sponsored and supported radio. We're still up and running, man. That's a great thing. Uh, it does rely upon your donations to help keep the network alive, up and running. So, again, without your assistance, folks, this type of platform really cannot survive. So, we ask that you obviously do what you can to support the network. You can make your way over to Revolution Radio at uh, revolution.radio. And I believe the very first item up there on the menu bar is a support button. Uh, you can click on that and definitely support the network as much as you can. Again, because I'm here. That's about it, man. For me, anyways, I'm here. So at least let's support the show here with my uh, 
with my time and my bandwidth. That's that's all the great things to so do what you can, everybody. Uh, the ITEL Cat Report, it's probably sponsored by, oh, wait a minute, the ITEL Cat Report. That's right. We have actually an ITEL Cat Report, don't we? Uh, let's see here. Uh, that's Oive. This is, this is the OIT. I think I've got it here, man. What do you think? I should add a lady co-host to this. It's not. If you got someone you can pay something. <laughs> Be careful if you use lady co-hosts. <laughs> you know I need to do? I need to fly to Cornwall. <laughs> Like, yeah, it's in pitching at the bog. Just put a big air effect here. You and I ought to do a show together, the Grand Petro Show. Let's <laughs> change it in pitch because I don't overshadow you. So if I go to a it's like, who's Petro? Wake up, get off the Oaks train, the Oaks train. The next stop is reading a diary. <laughs> Maybe Grizzly's going to cut this part out. I know that you're Anyway, yes. Because it's time for the ITEL Primetime Cat Report, sponsored by Graham Hart and the Graham Hart Show with Breiser which streams live every Monday on Cornwall Revolution Radio at 5 o'clock p.m. Eastern. And by Graham Hart's song, Hoax Train, where a little historical humor triggers the hoaxsters and anti-semi-hunters alike. To listen to the Graham Hart Show, visit grism.blogspot.com before showtime for all the listen live and chapter All right. And... Just a little insight on the Graham Hart Show with Reiser. There's been a kind of an important announcement. They actually went live with this Thursday, Monday night. And their show Monday night was actually pretty good. They had John Friend, John Friend, uh, from the real, realist report and, uh, Georgia Peach from the KSCO presents Georgia show, which, uh, obviously, uh, we talked a lot about over the, over the past year, year and a half or so. And so, uh, both of those, Ron, was a very good show for that. And uh, they've made a, an important announcement that they are thinking of changing the Graham Hart show to something else because Graham Hart basically just sits there behind the the, the board and just like turns knobs and stuff up and down and just kind of like does like really important things. And so basically they're thinking of changing the show since Breiser's up front. So the uh, call has gone out that if you'd like to actually have an input onto what the Graham Hart show with Breiser should become, they're actually taking recommendations. So uh, make your way over to grism.blogspot.com. You can throw that in the chat room. You can throw that as an email to zap. You can, Give it to me and I'll forward it. What the heck? But we may be losing the Graham Hart Show with Breiser as a sponsor because there's not going to be a Graham Hart Show with Breiser anymore. Uh, so that's kind of the news. So anyways, check into that, guys. If you really like that show, uh, you got a chance to name it. I don't, I was thinking about 
two drunken dudes or something like that. But Bryzer doesn't get drunk that much. So I guess we can do that one. But yeah, there's got to be something, you know, that, that you guys can come up that's very catchy for that show. So it's got to be catchier than Inside the Eye Live primetime, right? So anyways, uh, make your way over there and uh, uh, give it a give it a shot. You know, they, they said there's going to be a, a prize. You, you get an hour tour of either a synagogue or mosque of your, of your choosing. And, uh, I'll take the synagogue. What the heck? I'll take the synagogue, man. I mean, hey, you know, there was a guy, uh, well, first I should get the I took out report out of the way. You know, two things. You know, we were talking a few weeks ago about these, this really cute white kitten and a really tiny, tiny cat too. And kitten and uh, disappeared, just kind of like disappeared. We've now learned that the owner of this building came by, saw the chicken bones and some of the stuff trappings that were left outside for the kittens. And he got really angry. So he forced the staff here to pick the cats up because they were very friendly and drive them somewhere where they could never find their way back. So that's kind of a mean thing to her. But those cats were actually taken out and then driven to some place to where they can't return. So I hope they gave them a place where they can at least get fed and eat. But that was the story about our kittens. So we did learn about their fate there. So now there's virtually no cats in front of our building where before we had like a, some very nice cute kittens and cats coming by. Then uh, another thing, we've got a really cool teacher He's a teacher, basically, here, and uh, he has taken a really good liking to this three-colored cat, orange, black, and white, and it's a female, and he feeds it every day, and I swear I went out to to visit the, this particular campus tonight, and the kitten is sitting there, middle of the parking lot, waiting for this guy to come out. How cool was that, right? So he actually came out, gave him some chicken from last night's dinner. So that is kind of a cool story, not like the other story here where they took the cats away and then go all the way back to uh, the Philippines where, of course, my three monsters are. Uh, last night was a pretty wild night inside of the house. Uh, as you know, we live basically in a surrounded by water patties. You know, it's kind of like I feel like I'm, I don't know, I don't sound like in a bit of a Vietnam movie or something. But yeah, we're in the middle of this, these water patties and you hear the frogs and the crickets and everything throughout the evening. But Spikers has taken a liking to capturing frogs. He loves to go out to get the frogs. Well, today, uh, last night, apparently while uh, Emily was sleeping, uh, Spikers decided to go grab a frog, bring it all the way upstairs, and the frog was a big frog, not a little frog, and apparently had been doing quite a lot of hopping all over the place trying to escape the cats. Well, what happened was our whole, whole front room was completely trashed. There were flowers everywhere. There was trash everywhere. Uh, and finally, when it was all said and done, there was a green frog, poor thing, in the middle of the floor and three cats just kind of surrounding, looking at it, waiting for Emily to look up and wake up and say, oh, see, we were innocent. We didn't do anything tonight. Uh, but yeah, that was a complete trash mess, man. It was pretty amazing. But uh, Trixie, not Trixie, uh, Pressy. Uh, very pregnant now. You know, while they were cleaning up uh, from the frog mess, uh, she refused to move. She's laying there and like there's flowers all over her face and everything. She just refuses to move. She's very, very pregnant now. So uh, hopefully uh, come maybe another month, we may have some more kittens. We'll have to see about that. And that'll be kind of cool. 
we're kind of looking forward to that. So anyways, the cats are kind of expensive there, man. The cats are weird. They refused. They got all the place to go to the bathroom, right? But they refuse. They want to use the litter box. And sometimes uh, they'll see like the cats running like far from far away. And you watch them run. They run up the stairs into the house. And basically, they're just running to use the bathroom. Believe it or not, cats, can you believe it, running across a field just to use the bathroom. It's like, man, I think I've seen it all now. But that's kind of what's happening with the cats, and that is the ITIL Cat Report. Again, proudly sponsored by uh, whatever the show is going to be named, hopefully. But it's now the Graham Hart Show with Bryzer. Again, catch it every Monday at 5 o'clock p.m. Eastern at grism.blogspot.com. That's every Monday at 5 o'clock at uh, grism.blogspot.com. Oi, vey! Oi, Gavalt! It's like another shower! Oi, vey! Oi, vey! Oi, vey, everybody! How did it run by you? It don't like you. Very goddamn angry at some of the Jews. I thrive on boy of tears. Oi, vey! Oi, vey, everybody! The Oive Moment is proudly sponsored by Andrew Carrington Hitchcock, author of The Synagogue of Satan, Updated, Expanded, and Uncensored. The Synagogue of Satan, Updated, Expanded, and Uncensored features a rapturous 144,000 words that is replete with additional articles never before seen in print. And after having its distribution banned by Amazon and Lulu, the Synagogue of Satan, updated, expanded, and uncensored, is now available from Andy himself at andrewcarringtonhitchcock.com. Get your copy today, won't you? Of course, don't forget to listen to Andy's The Andrew Carrington Hitchcock Show, which streams Monday through Friday at 10 o'clock a.m. to 11 o'clock a.m. Eastern on Eurofolk Radio at eurofolkradio.com. To listen... Simply visit EurofolkRadio.com during showtime and click on the Listen Live link or visit AndrewCarringtonHitchcock.com for Andy's free show archives, which comprises one of the most extensive guest lists in the alternative media. And this is a moment. We're going to go over to something kind of serious over in Germany today. Uh, what happened, I, th- I don't know if it was today or yesterday. I'm not exactly sure, but the news is just starting to come to here. And... Uh, Jewish leaders now are calling for united action against anti-Semitism. Believe it or not, they're actually calling for a global effort uh, to fight anti-Semitism after a German synagogue attack. And, of course, as Frank was alluding to earlier, it's always targeting the white nationalists. But here's the thing, and I want you to be very serious about what I'm going to tell you here. And don't look at it as I'm callous. Don't look at it as I'm uh, not caring or anything like that. I want you to look at it from a pure, pragmatic a rational political point of view here. I have here a, a, a purported attack, okay? Let, oh, let's admit it's a purported attack. Purported. Uh, it's supposed to be a 27-year-old neo-Nazi guy. Neo-Nazi. Oh, my gosh. That, that's, that's it right there. I'm supposed to cringe. No, I'm not going to cringe. Uh, that's a Jewish label. It's a hate speech label by Jews. They have blasphemed us as, as, as nationalists with this type of word for years and years and years. And it's time that we say, okay, now that you've said that, you've lost all credibility and you're completely disgusting people. Now, there's no more emotion towards these people. Now, it's, it's an attack. 
attack. Now, I don't know what happened within this attack. It says top Jewish leaders around the world issued messages of solidarity and calls for action after neo-Nazi gunned down two people and injured several others in Halle, Germany, yesterday during the Jewish holiday of Yom Kippur. Now, uh, guy's name, Stephen Bailet, 27 years old, first attempted to break into the synagogue but was unable to do so because of massive wooden doors, which were bolted shut. Okay, then fine. If they're bolted shut, how did he get in, period? Furthermore, why did you need to bolt your doors? What are you saying inside of here that is so evil that you need to bolt your doors? You're a house of worship. It should be very transparent that there is nothing evil about you. And if there's nothing evil about you, you don't need to lock your doors, quite frankly. You don't need to lock. I lived in a country that was exceptionally high trust society and we didn't lock our doors. We didn't, we didn't even bother if we left our keys in the car. We didn't want to do that, of course. But if it left us, it, it's not like we were panicking. We kept our car doors open. We kept our houses open for the most part. So I have to ask the Jewish community, why are you locking your doors? What is it about you? That makes you so disgusting. You got to lock your doors. You have to lock your doors during worship. I can't imagine. I can't imagine folks going to a house of worship and I'm locking the doors behind me as if I'm some evil entity that's trying to hide the truth of what's going on inside my church. Guys, I've, I'm not even Christian. Okay. I'm not Christian, but while I was in Jordan, the top Catholic priest, he's like the rock star for the Catholics, right? He, was a friend of ours. We'd come to our house. We would open up our house. He would, he would spray his holy water around my house. I don't have a problem with that. We knew the house was semi-haunted anyways, right? But when I would go to his church, we would have hundreds of people there, hundreds, and we didn't lock the door. Can you imagine locking the door to your, to your house of worship? I can't. Well, why are you locking the door? Why do you have these big? Because I would say there's something evil inside. I would say that. Now, they might say, fetch, you know, you can't say that. But, okay, I, I'm just guessing. I'm just playing devil's advocate here because I wouldn't do it. I can't imagine locking my door if I'm if I'm open and ethical. But then it says here, after, fail, after failing to gain entry to the synagogue, Bailet or Bailet or whatever he's called shot a passerby, a woman in her 50s. Well, first of all, the story's not making any sense now, quite frankly. Minutes later, he attacked a nearby kebab shop. Oh, darn, with bombs and improvised weapons. Oh, yeah, right, 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 yeah. This sounds straight out of a Mossad stupid play act, quite frankly. So the way this sounds is like you Jews just pulled off another false flag because we don't believe you. Your media is a lying scumbag institution. It is anti-American, anti-Western, anti-white. So whatever you report to us generally is false. And since the only news we have right now is from you, the Jewish media in this case, we have to assume that this is just a, a, a stupid story coming from the Jewish community once again that they are using as an international, I call these mesmer points or dreidel points, to focus attention on what it, the Jewish people want, which is what? Abject control of the political system to where nobody can question them. Now, the president of the Central Council of Jews in Germany. Joseph Schuster noted on Wednesday that we have not experienced an incident of this kind ever before in Germany. Well, first of all, why isn't he jailed? He looks to me like he just denied the, the, the Holy Holocaust because he's saying that not even the Germans did this. Okay, well, that's great. Now we know that basically using this phrase, that obviously the, the lies you're telling us about the Holocaust all the time are, are just that, they're lies because you've never experienced this before in Germany. 
So why do you keep harping on the fact that it's also dangerous when you've never, ever, ever, ever experienced this? Now, these are some of the issues we're raising, but that's not it. It says here, it shows that right-wing extremism is not only some kind of political development, but it's highly dangerous. Yeah, when you got Mossad quacks running around, yeah, because basically we should see these right-wing extremists as what? People working within the Jewish community. And it says here, and there can be no compromise in the fight against hatred of Jews. Well, you know what? That's a declaration of war by the Jewish people against everybody. Because they're making a statement that, hey, oh, if you don't love us, if you don't think we're the little GDs on earth, then we can go out and try to destroy you. That's a declaration of war. Let's accept it for what it is. Jews are declaring war against the people of Western civilization. Quit Quit pussyfooting this around, guys. It's what it is. They basically they're saying we Jews are superior, we Jews are smarter, and if you don't like us and love us and kiss our little feet and pay, maybe lick the soles of our feet while you're at it, then you hate us, and therefore we can do what we want to you because there can be no tolerance. So, again, view this as a declaration of war. Herzog went on to say, and he's with the Jewish Agency. Uh, that, that Again, you tell us you're not globalists, but why are you responding globally? Because you're globalists. You're cosmopolitans. You are not loyal to any of our countries, yet you're openly willing to declare war on all of us and then expect no repercussions in the long run. He goes on to share, we share in the mourning of the families. Well, first of all, we don't know if they're Jewish, so we don't buy your crocodile tears. You guys are more than happy as a Jewish community to kill anybody you want and you really don't care. So save us the crocodile tears, guys, quite frankly. This this type of reporting is basically just Hollywood hyperbola. It's dumb. It is taking an idiotic culture, pretending that you, the reader, are an idiot, and then just pushing this crap on you as if somehow you're supposed to suck it all up and oh my god, no, that don't. This is a deck they they just declared war on you. And you're supposed to cry over what they just declared? And you're supposed to say, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Mr. Jew, please. No. They declared war on you. He goes on to say here. He expressed his deep disturbance regarding the attack on the synagogue. Well, first of all, he didn't attack the synagogue. He didn't attack the synagogue. You said already he couldn't get into the synagogue because the doors are locked, because there's something evil going on inside of your synagogue. So he didn't attack the synagogue. He tried to go into the synagogue, but he didn't attack it. The doors were locked. So again, the stupidity of Jewish writers astounds. And folks, start looking at this writing for what it is. Children with an IQ of about 47, pretending it's 115 to 120, and then acting as if somehow we're not supposed to read the fact that these guys are idiots. Think about it. He goes on to say Orthodox, actually he doesn't, but Orthodox Union Executive Vice President Ellen Fagan. See, everybody's coming out. Wow, you got everybody on what, speed dial to get comments? Who does that but a bunch of flaky morons who are trying to push their views on everybody? What do you think? I've got all these. <laughs> wow, there was a attack on my toenail today. <gasps> hey, Mr. Jim, Jim, uh, I don't know. Just say Jim. Uh, can you comment on the fact that my toenail was stepped on today? Yes, it's an atrocity. Oh, my toenail has 
broken because some guy was careless while he walked through the aisle at the supermarket. And I must, it must be an anti-white agenda here. It must be because my toenails are worth 10,000 of the rest of you. Oh my God. A chief rabbi of Berlin, Yehuda. Kaito, there's a, there's Kaito, it should be called Kaito, I don't like to talk that way, but hey, we stand alongside the community. What do you mean you stand alongside the community? Nothing happened, basically. It's a random attack. Now, here's where we want to take the story to the next level. It says here, and this is just one of the titles, and there's many like this. It says here, Jewish leaders around the world unite and call for action against anti-Semitism. All right. Because of an attack on a synagogue. Now, how many crimes are committed due to Jewish policies? Think about that. How many crimes are committed against the German people because of Jewish policies in Germany? How many crimes are committed against the Swedish people up in Sweden? How many crimes are committed in the in the UK because of policies instituted by Jewish people and carry that to Poland, carry that to uh, Australia, carry that to the United States even. How many crimes have we endured at the hands of Jewish policies? Think about this very clearly now because there's one small tiny attack and the whole Jewish world is up in an uproar, yet we are enduring thousands of attacks a year and where are Western leaders uniting in a call against Jewish policies and to stamp out Jewish hatred of our countries? Because they write this type of stuff as if, hey, nobody's noticing. They are sitting there and saying, hey, one attack, we all have to unite to protect them, yet we endure thousands upon thousands of attacks per year globally. Where are we now speaking against, fighting against Jewish policies? Because it's they control our governments. So, hey, think about this very clearly now. Jewish policies. When they or you hear Jewish leaders talking about we must wage war on anti-Semitism because of this or that AYZ attack, Understand that you, your community, your states, your provinces, your bureaus, wherever you live, your nations themselves, are under constant attack day in and day out because of Jewish policies. And if Jews want to now constantly throw in our face about how there should be a united call against, quote-unquote, anti-Semitism, then it is equally true on the other side of the coin that Western leaders should have a united call to wipe out and fight against Jewish policies. Keep that in mind moving forward. Because every time they declare war on us, we say, look, we need to stamp out Jewish policies and Jewish hatred of our nations and our people. Because that's what Jews are saying openly to the rest of us. It's the fetch that is the Oyve moment. Again, brought to you by the Andrew Carrington Hitchcock Show. Visit andrewcarringtonhitchcock.com and we shall 
be back with more right after this. And, and welcome back. I'm having probably too much fun here. Anyways, it's the Fetch Inside the Eye Live prime time again, Thursday, October the 10th, 2019. So for those of you listening in the archives, at least you'll know what date this is. I'll tell you. Listener-sponsored, supported radio again. Does rely upon your donations, guys. So don't forget, support the network. Support the show. Our donations have been down, quite frankly, since the move, although we did great during the move. Thank you so much for that. Uh, but, yeah, we're getting up some bills coming due probably, I think, next month. Uh, maybe this month, actually. I don't remember when. But, uh, you know, we are a little bit low ourselves. I haven't complained too much because I generally don't. Uh, but, nonetheless, uh, it would be helpful. It doesn't matter, though. Quite frankly, if you can, you can. You can't, you can't. Uh, I'm in a good mood right now. And don't ask me why. It's uh, two something in the morning, two or three in the morning here locally. But I just feel pretty good. So, hey, that's a good thing. I don't have too many technical issues today to deal with. Uh, the, the chat room, it's not humming, but it's moving. So, yeah, you can visit us in the chat room. Jim Fire, thanks so much. Uh, join us in the chat room again inside the com. Click on that live chat button. And then uh, if you'd like to call into the show, one three two three two seven five one three one four. That's one three two three two seven. Seven five one three one four. I want to relate a little story to you that happened to me this week, and it's not a bad story, quite frankly, because we have to be patient. Uh, but it was a bit frustrating. But it's not a bad story. What it is is there was a guy, the a colleague, uh, he comes came in to say hello to me, and he said, uh, "Fetch, I heard your show," and I said, "Well, that's great, man. Glad you gave it a chance." And he said, "You got it all wrong." I said, what do you mean I got it all wrong? He says, man, you can't be dishing on on the Jews like that. You just can't do that. This is a converted Muslim guy, too. And I'm like, dude, what? come on, man. Give me a break. You know, that type of thing. And I kind of got angry. But I wasn't all that angry, quite frankly. I just found it frustrating uh, to have to deal with this, you know, at work type of thing. But, you know, some people still have that fear. Some people have that um I don't know. I think fear is a good word. I'm not sure that's what you would call it, but they have this pressing need to defend that which is indefensible. And what a lot of people have to understand uh, to just kind of smooth this thing over is everybody has what's called, not everybody, okay, let me back that up, but there is something. How about that? There's something out there called eschatology, and I know we've talked about this before, but eschatology is essentially the end of times beliefs, the beliefs of, you know, the Muslims have their eschatology, Christians have theirs in the book of Revelation, and the Jews have theirs, which basically says we're going to control the world, and God's going to give us everything, GD's going to give us everything, and the rest of you are going to be our slaves. Uh, that's the, the Jewish eschatology, and the, the Muslim eschatology says that that at some point in the in the future, the Muslim world and the Christian world will unite against the Jewish people because the Jewish people are themselves the representatives of Shaitan or Satan. And those Jews are an incarnate evil. And in many respects, I hold that actually to be true, that within that religion, you have the incarnate souls who are representative of this really dark evil force that's not just planetary probably but universal it's something very very dark so 
as I told him eventually, and, and it's something that perhaps all of you can listen is that is the, the, to me, the biggest crime you can do is to be silent in the face of evil. And other, other people have said it in different ways. You know, the only good, the only way for evil to triumph is for good people to do and say nothing, things like that. But if you have an opinion about what is evil, you should voice what you believe is evil and raise awareness to that because it is evil. And then it's very curious how people will go out of their way to really try to defend that which is evil itself. And of course, very, very few people grasp the idea that that which is evil is so clever that it often has the ability to have you doing its bidding and equally defending itself from its enemies. So when I hear charges of anti-Semitism, one of the things I hear is a group of people protecting that which is evil. Because people don't just become anti-Semitic. They become anti-Jewish based on what they view in Jewish behavior. It's not like they just woke up one day, hey, I don't like Jews anymore. No, they have viewed what Jews do throughout time in their own communities, whether it's the media, the banks, the lawyers, the politicians, and they don't work for a living. Think about it. Every time a story goes down, what's the first thing you do? You hear, oh, Mr. Stenemeyer from the... Jewish National Congress has just chimed in on the story and he says this. And then the Alfred Schmoozer from the Australian Congregation of International Jews has just chimed in on the matter and he says this. And we got this just in from the Austin Jewish Congressional Caucus and they said they want to chime into it. And then, oh my goodness, from the, from the Irish League of International Jews, we got this guy. I mean, it's like it never stops. It doesn't matter what the story is. There's three, four, five Jewish organizations. Don't you guys work for a living? Seriously, do you Jews have jobs? Or is your job basically to sit there and work in all of these organizations and basically sound like a bunch of idiots and then whine like a bunch of losers when we start calling out the fact that you're idiots? Because isn't that really what's happening here? People have long ago woken up to the absurdity of Jewish imposition upon our cultures and consequently we're just like like laughing at it saying you guys are idiots and then oh, you you can't do that really I just did it dude I just did it. oh we're gonna jail you because you oh and then you just prove see again they, they prove our point they're evil this is an evil imposition there's no other way around it and I tried to get that across to my colleague, and I'm not sure I got through, and that's okay if I didn't. But this is a tack that we should all be taking. If we have the knowledge, we should push our knowledge further out. The envelope must expand. I got a nice call. Not a nice call, but a nice inter not nice letter, email, from, let's say, Hanshan. He was in the chat room earlier. Not sure he's still there. And he said, thanks for using uh, my problem. You know, Hanshan's the guy that... Because he donated five hundred dollars, he donated to a, to a, to to David Duke. Jews decided to destroy thirty years worth of business in Santa Cruz. How is this morally proper? How is this morally correct? It's not. In fact, it's pure evil. It's destructive. It just shows that Jews have no compassion. They have no tolerance. They are vindictive beyond. A, a, and who's who's out there defending this? 
who is who who from the Jewish community is saying, uh, you know what, Fetch, you're right. I don't hear them. They don't call my show and say, Fetch, I'm Jew, man. And uh actually I, I'm embarrassed to be a Jew because it probably would be. And and I, I kinda agree with you, man. I, I get you. It doesn't happen. Always it's like, well, you can't say all Jews. I'm not saying all Jews, I'm just saying Jews, dude. You threw the word all in there. Don't put words in my mouth. See? Because we know it's 96%, 94%, 92% like this anyways. So what, why should I care about the 8%? Oh, not Torekarete. They're like, who cares about not Torekarete? They're a bunch of loons inside a Jewish community. The Jewish community, I should say, equally. Uh, let's see. What else did I want to raise? That was one story. Another one is Minneapolis. You know, typical Jewish behavior. TBJ. We're going to typical TJP. B, TJB, that's going to be our new moniker, TJB, typical Jewish behavior. And you had Trump in this week uh, going into Minneapolis to do a to do a uh, rally. And Trump's good at these, let's be honest. The man sells tickets. No way around it. The guy sells tickets. And he's very effective. And quite frankly, I support him in what he's doing. I would like him to take more nationalist action against Israel. Uh, pulling out of Syria is, is certainly a plus, not that he's doing all that much, but it's a plus, okay? Give credit where credit's due. And you've got all of these volunteers coming to put this thing together. You have tens of thousands of people lining up to see it. But guess what? Minneapolis, traditionally a Nordic town, is essentially now a Somalian cesspool run by, you guessed it, the Pied Piper Jewish mayor. How is that? Think about it. You got a Somalian cesspool. You have Jewish policies that have displaced the former Nordic people that live there. And now we got the whole city led by a Jewish guy, Jacob Frey. He's a Democrat. Of course, you can understand, if you understand American politics anyways, that Democratic cities become cesspools. They become basically denizens of trash. And quite frankly, uh, Minneapolis used to be a beautiful town. And probably within a few more years, who knows, it's going to be like Detroit with all these people from Somalia running around screwing up the town. And so you got this Democratic mayor, Jewish guy, and he says now he's been the targets of threats and anti-Semitic remarks again. You know what? Go, I, I'm serious. Every time I hear a Jew whine like this, I want to just say, go screw you. Seriously. Why is it you Jews think you should have an advantage over the rest of us? It's just because you're a bunch of losing idiots and you can't take criticism. Because that's what you're really saying. What is it about Jews that says I can't be criticized because my, my, my SO, you know what, doesn't smell? Isn't that kind of what they're saying to us? I've been hearing this, guys, for decades, okay? I've been doing this for decades. It says here, as you guys probably know, when Obama went to do a rally in that town, you know how much the security was? $20,000. Trump rolls into town. Now Jews want to charge $530,000. Half a million dollars, man. Half a million dollars for security in a Jewish-run town that they do for Obama for 20000 And Trump says, uh, welcome to Minneapolis where we pay our bills. And he called this Jew a lightweight and urged voters to dump him. But how are you going to dump him, Trump? You got an open border policy by these politicians, and Minneapolis isn't even basically a white town anymore. It's a Somalian town. The Somalian organization there is actually pretty strong. And consequently, how are you going to dump this guy? 
It says here his wife, Sarah, oh, poor lady, was also a target. The mayor said someone commented that she was trying to hide her identity. Probably. That doesn't make it false. And because she had a different name from me. It's not hiding her identity, the championship in her own. No, but BS, guys. Because we know you, you that the people in the Jewish community are just liars. They lie. They want to hide the fact that they're Jews because, hey, why is it we have a Jew now running Minneapolis? Really, why, why is that? Everywhere I turn, I see a Jewish leader, and now they don't want to take criticism. Listen, if you're going to be in a position of leadership, you either get take the heat or you get the hell out of the kitchen, but the sure as heck you don't tell us what we can do when you work for the, the people. And Jews are saying, no, that's not how it works. We're Jews. You just do what we tell you to do. Shut your mouth. Sit down because I'm a Jew. And that's so wrong. This attitude from them is just plain wrong. It's anti-American. It's anti-Western. It's essentially a declaration of war against us as the people. And let's call it for what it is, which is exactly what I just said. It's not for him to, oh, you're an anti-Semite. Give me a break, dude. Seriously, I, I can understand, quite frankly, and I don't, I don't necessarily condone it, but I can certainly understand why people are getting angry with Jewish people. Because every time you turn around, they're whining like a bunch of losers. Says, to the extent that Trump tries to divide us, our community will stand by one another. Again, a typical Jewish BS comment. Call it out for what it is. This is typical Jewish, Jewish hyperbola. It's just crap language. It's nothing. Because quite frankly, it's Jews who already divided the community by bringing in all these minorities, dividing it, conquering it up, slicing and dicing it so that basically Jews can run the story or run the city. Minneapolis's police union are selling T-shirts ahead of the rally. Apparently, Trump should flee the swamp and meet with blacks, Jews and Hispanics. How about meeting with white people? Why didn't you talk about that? Why shouldn't Trump? Uh, you know what? Because the white people understand our country is under duress. And they're largely, not entirely, but they're largely the ones attending all of these rallies. And that's kind of what is happening over there in Minneapolis. So I'll tell you, Trump sells tickets. Don't, don't lay around it, man. This guy can sell some tickets. Uh, here's another story coming out of the UK, which kind of highlights. Oh, come on, you guys. I don't like this touchscreen. It's not so good. But this kind of highlights the power that Jews really do have. Um, I think it's this page. Quickly, quickly, quickly. While I'm looking inside the iLive, that's right, inside the iLive, click on the live chat button. That will get you in the door there. And then you have, of course, the telephone number is 1323275 You know, the at issue really in the UK, and someone was mentioning that to me the other day, he said, you know, Dennis, the UK, and these are people from the UK, said, Dennis, the UK is a cesspool of Jewish power. It's absolutely a cesspool, what's going on inside of my country. And there's an MP, his name is Chris Williamson. And essentially, he was kicked out because Jews kicked him out. That's right. Jews kicked him out because they didn't like his opinions. They didn't like his, his comments. They didn't like the way he was representing his people. What Jews said is that unless you worship us Jews, and that's kind of what they're saying here, you don't have a seat at the table. You don't have a right to be in politics. And everything about this mentality is, let's be honest, absolutely improper 
abuse of power because they're abusing their power and wrong. No other way around it. And then you have German, I can't post that because it's going to be from a band, band website here. But you have various um, politicians, uh, spokespeople from, you know, very high within the Jewish community, like Rivlin, you know, Ambassador Rivlin, people like that are running around right now, beating their chests like they're a bunch of baboons and monkeys saying, we have to fight anti-Semitism. Listen, if, if, if for every time you hear a Jew say, we have to fight anti-Semitism, you come back and say, we have to fight Jews and their policies, and we must have a zero tolerance for these policies. Uh, Frank, hi, welcome back to Inside the Eye Life. Uh, Dennis, I just had a quick question. Um, you had a, someone on not that long ago, sometime in the past several months. It might have been Graham Hart. And he was talking about how Jews controlled everything over there. And uh, I've, I've had a question ever since then. Was, was that uh, individual, I think it was Graham Hart, was he talking about, uh, was he talking about London? Was he talking about England? Was he talking about the whole United Kingdom, Great Britain? What, do you know what he was talking about? Uh, I don't really know the exact person you were talking about, so I really couldn't narrow it down, but I can just tell you that uh, inside UK politics, just like we have in the States, Frank, they have something called the Friends of Israel. And this is a lobbying group that is basically run and operated by Mossad, by the Israeli government. And the vast majority, I think something like over 80% of their politicians are members of this group, Friends of Israel. So whereby our politicians are signing off allegiance oaths to the state of Israel. And in fact, recently we had like 78 of our congressmen and women go over to Israel uh, for their indoctrination tour. Uh, same as same as happening in the UK. Okay, I think the caller was an Englishman. It might have been Graham Hart, but he he made the comment. I remember he said, and they have the police in their back pocket as well. If if that refreshes uh, the no, listeners' honest, well, yeah, memories on that. But yeah, I don't remember who. But Maybe I think he it said was they Allison. only make up one percent. Yeah, I don't think that was one percent of the population. Yeah, I I haven't had too many. So maybe it was Graham Hart, maybe it was Allison Chablot. She was, but I haven't had her in a while. But yes, uh, yeah, I mean it's true, my friend. But it was a male. Then, it was an Englishman. It was a male. It was an Englishman. But uh, yeah, well, you know, I mean, again, I mean, it's that way everywhere. One percent of the population, and he said they control it all. Yeah, and how do they again? So yes, so if they want to say zero tolerance for anti-Semitism, we should say zero tolerance for Jewish policies and declare war on Jewish policies equally. Okay, thank you. All right, thanks. That's Frank, everybody. Um, yeah, if you disagree with what I'm saying, feel free to call in, one three two three two seven five one three one four. if you don't think I'm right. Uh, you think I'm being outlandish. If you think I'm being too radical, uh, give me a call. Certainly, uh, you're welcome to try, <laughs> try anyways, to put me in my place. Um, of course, if you're Jewish, call. I would love to have a debate with a Jew right now. That will really get the show going. Uh, we have a situation here, and this is an old story actually, but it kind of highlights where we need to be. We need to stop awarding Jewish people because just recently there was a fashion show, and I don't know what it's really called, but it's supposed to be some super prestigious show. 1,800 people around the world, uh, designers uh, entered into this contest, and lo and behold, a Jew won it. Oh, it's the first time a Jew has ever won the show. But you know what? I, I'm, I suspect it's Jewish privilege. 
quite frankly. I don't think the guy had enough talent to win. Uh, but certainly if you're a Jew, you've got the privilege and you don't have to be good. You can just basically flaunt your identity out there and you win. Uh, again, for me, I remember years and years and years ago, uh, I've, you know, as I practiced this rhetorical art form, you know, I got tired, honestly, and, and as many of you probably have, is having these Jewish people bemoan, belittle, uh, insult, disparage, all of these nagging little traits that make Jews Jews, I was subject to, and, and for years and years and years, and I, and eventually, you know, as some of you kind of kind of get the hint, is I took these same techniques and I learned how to invert them a bit and then target them back upon the Jewish community. And I remember years and years and years and years ago, a Jewish woman she privately wrote to me. She says, "Dennis, you're making." Us Jews who really don't believe in all of this, you're making us all feel bad. You you know, you should really stop doing that. And, you know, I felt for, to be honest with you, I'm not a Jew, so I had some empathy. And I I, I thought, you know, yeah, I hear you, man. I'm, I'm kind of sorry it's happening to you. I'm sorry you're part of a culture that is just so dangerous and so evil that unfortunately we have to raise awareness about them and you know i really felt bad for her about this but what i find now is that with the trolling world being what it is and the ability for us to get out there through multiple channels it's absolutely critical quite frankly that people start to use their talents to disparage, to take people who are perhaps naive, perhaps stupid, quite frankly, useful idiots, if you want, and are helping the enemy and demoralize them, attack and demoralize. And, of course, that's why we have, quote-unquote, the hate speech laws, because Jews understand that they're doing what we're capable of doing, if not better. And they want to prevent us from being able to actually employ some of the techniques that are necessary to create mass momentum, mass disgust towards Jewish policies. And at the end of the day, that's what it really is all about. Because if we can destroy Jewish policies, then implement our own policies, Jews become irrelevant to the equation. Because we have our own policies. And that's where Jews are saying, no, we'll go ahead and take the risk that will piss you off to the point to where you have to do something to us to get rid of us, rather than allow you to use the systems in play that allowed us to come to power, meaning Jews themselves. Disparage, disparage, disparage. Be confident in your message. Be calm. Be focused. Because at the end of the day, if you're weak, you're going to get trampled. Be strong. Be confident. Smile. Be coy. Be clever. There's a story coming out of... uh, 
Poland. And it just shows you how infiltrated the enemy really is. And the title tells you everything you need to know. Polish writer who has criticized anti-Semitism in the country wins 2018 Nobel. Again, unless you are kissing the feet of Jews, you don't get the reward. So accept it for what it is. And look at this woman here and say, you know what? You really disgust me. And disparage her. Because she is contributing, quite frankly, willfully, to the Jewish supremacist hate-filled line that Jews are supposed I'm sure hundreds of people more than qualified and deserve that. Hey everyone, but no, it's Barbara it Jean Lindsay, the it Cosmic Oracle. Oh, I was if you have on, questions about your past lives I wrote a script plans, about it, I liked the whole cosmos, thing, but I want, I want a Grammy, career, or just oh, I want, a, I want an Emmy, planet. oh, I want an Oscar. The Cosmic Oracle, here on Revolution Radio at FreedomSlips.com. They win 79.32% of all Nobel Peace Prize, or all Nobel Prizes. Yeah, what's ring, Everybody out there is stupid. Jews are so smart. What if, if they're so smart, why is there is your data safe? Do you have the okay. necessary why information to assist you in confidently living through just about any Jewish survival situation? The survival of gardening, off-grid living, medical knowledge, or even natural or man-made EMPs on your list of personal concerns? Of Do you have your documents and your so personal information in a safe place in your hands if you know where it is? Well, check out our preloaded EMP-proof thumb drive. Over three gigs of survival documents and how-tos, plus the USDA offline food preservation build. website and much much more including a surprise bonus we just can't tell you about really with plenty of room left over to store your most important documents imagine if a mega virus or computer failure took out your bank or all the banks for that matter are your banking records safe in your hands so when they get things fixed and repaired you can say hey look this is what I had you have it I want it back is your personal data safe family records addresses phone numbers we'll squeeze on over to freedomslips.com yes that's www.freedomslips.com. Click the banner on the homepage for the EMP proof bullet drive. Okay, don't you just welcome back, first of all. Don't you just love when the host just like steps all over the brakes and just keeps yabbering and jabbering away? Ah, it happens, guys. I just didn't look at the clock. Sorry about that. It happens. That's all right, Zap. You can like edit all this stuff out. Go ahead. It's okay. Uh, but I was in like a comfortable rant there. It was kind of good there. That was kind of good. You know, I'm, I'm sitting here in Riyadh. It's really hot, quite frankly, tonight. It just feels hot, even though it's not so hot. It's like about 80 degrees. It just feels hot. And uh, I'm not sure why. And I have this really stupid TV. It's acting as my monitor. And imagine, just imagine how annoying this must be. You're watching the television, and every like 12 to 18 seconds, the TV has the menu bar pop up and it just goes from this piece to this piece to this piece. Oh, you can change the time. And it does it every 18 seconds. It's like, how stupid do they program these televisions nowadays? Must be another diversity-inspired invention here. 
By the way, I don't know if you've heard, man, that 737 MAX problem with Boeing, thanks to diversity, it is a huge, huge problem. I heard Japan might start flying the 73 MAX again on some of their short-haul routes around the country, but uh, it sounds quite difficult for the Boeing people. Thank you, diversity. We love you. You're such a strength. There was actually a study coming out. I don't have it in front of me, but somebody just did a, a study, an actual controlled scientific study, and guess what they found? Actually, diversity doesn't make us stronger. It actually makes us weaker. Of course, we didn't need scientists to go out and try to model all that for us. We can kind of see it just out there. Interesting story coming out of uh, the UK. And if you guys recall, a while back, there was something called the Scripple Poisoning. And it was supposed to be Putin did it, Putin did it. And, of course, the neocons are going crazy. It's time to invade because they Putin poisoned somebody. And uh, there was a phone call, apparently, in the summer of 2018 between then Prime Minister Theresa May and Trump. And he was actually, from what the story says, was haranguing the British leader about her country's contribution to NATO. Now, Trump should understand at this stage if his if his national security people, which aren't the brightest people, I haven't told him yet, uh, I think effective something like in late um, late October or early November, Britain's not going to have a military anymore. They're going to lose their military assets to the EU. It's going to be absorbed and become part of the EU. And there is the actual administrative control of the UK's military will be gone. So effectively, the UK is going to be defenseless. They're not actually going to have a military. And that's coming out about that. I'm not sure how, how that's going to work, but that's that's what's being said. Anyways, he Trump, if you can imagine, and again, people ask me just even today, Dennis, what do you think of Trump? What do you think of Trump? And I said, honestly, he's an enigma. He's certainly up... You know, he certainly works for the Israelis, but he does certain things for the American people that I haven't really seen before. He says things that I've never seen before or I've never heard before. So he remains an enigma for me. You know, it's at least there are positive things that come out of the guy, even if we, even if we disagree with his foreign policy. But here's something again, we would have to agree with. And it's the story's talking about how all of these intelligence people, Okay, I'm talking about NSA, CIA, uh, HQ5, whatever you call it, uh, inside of the UK, MI5, MI6, whatever they're all called. All of these guys are some of the most inept people at actually doing work for the people that's ever existed. I spoke about it a week and a half ago or so. Fascinating. Within three days, Tucker Carlson's basically saying the exact same thing I was saying a few days before. And the point we were both making is that intelligence services, they talk about, oh, how we need them. But guys, you haven't been right about anything. You can't even solve. You can't even solve 9-11 on your own soil. And you're going to sit there and say, we need you. We don't need you. You're complete failures. We have, guys, You, it's out there. You have the leaked, the leaked because remember, they sucked up all the video they could, but there's a leaked now video that shows the cruise missile that hit the Pentagon. We've, it's out there for all to see. You've got all these exploding buildings, and then the intelligence services want to say, oh, we're so valuable to you people. Guys, you can't even solve a simple freaking problem, dudes. 
You're nothing but a bunch of cover-up losers because you can't actually solve things for the people. You really can't. They can't. They're inept. Either they're, they're inept. If they're super secret, hyper secret, they're inept. They can't even solve it. You can't take out the people that are controlling everything, dudes. You got all the intel. You can't take out the bankers that are responsible for some of these attacks. You can't take out the intel forces that are, what are you doing? See, again, I'm not impressed with, I'm not impressed with intelligence. I'm not, just not impressed. And why should I be? Give me a reason why. But then Trump is now talking about the scripple poisoning. And he's actually telling the British leader, Theresa May, I don't believe it. And then the story says Trump was totally bought into the idea. Uh, there was credible doubt about poisoning. Yeah. And I was just like, dude, I don't believe you. And May's trying to like make it. No, no, it really happened. And it said here, a solid 10 minutes of the conversation is spent with May saying it's highly likely. And him saying he's not sure. So she's saying, no, it's highly likely. Well, highly likely doesn't mean anything. Highly likely is what you call weasel words. They mean absolutely nothing. Literally, they mean nothing. Oh, it's highly likely that uh, I'm going to go to bed at five in the morning. But it doesn't mean I am, right? It's whatever, whatever you want to say. So essentially... Russian embassy is out there back in the day saying, you know, best evidence, there is no evidence, basically. It was just a fraud. One of these issues to get a bunch of sanctions put against the Russians. And really, for us in the American nationalist point of view, and I'm not saying you got to be a Putinite, but the white Russian forces have always not, I, I maybe I'm not totally accurate on this, but the white Russian forces have always been affiliated with Europe and nationalism. And those were the forces that were being crushed by Jewish Mongoloid Bolsheviks. And we have to find a way to separate the history between the mongrel Jewish monstrosity called the Soviet Union and the actual Russian core Russian, Western Russian, the land of the Rus forces that exist within Russia itself. And as there are allies out there, there's no reason for all of us to always be fighting each other when really we all have the same eternal, quite frankly, the same eternal cosmopolitan internationalist enemy. That force, I saw a tweet from a Jewish guy the other day. And it said something to the effect that, you know, I joined labor and I'm leaving labor for the same reason. He says, because I'm a Jew. See, it was great when I could tap my way and then when people started to push back, I cried and I quit. Then he goes on to say, heading over to Google now, just want to remind everybody that engineers are not engineers, they're social engineers. They're not. Technical engineers or social engineers. And there's an international Jew trying to use international technology to create an international worldview. Beware, quite frankly, this idea of the international Jew. It's an actual serious issue. It's been spoken about literally by some of the greatest politicians in the West from, yeah, you could say Adolf Hitler if you want, but Henry Ford and uh, Charles Lindbergh and others have all raised this issue over time. Uh, President, uh, even President Washington did back in the very earliest days of the American Republic spoke about the dangers of Jewish people and their power within 
various social structures or societies. Uh, more anti-Semitism, of course, it's everywhere, folks. It's a very serious issue. I'm, I'm, I can't stress just how bad this has gotten. Uh, public officials in, I don't know, it looks like the UK, maybe it's Ireland, are up in arms because somebody vandalized. <laughs> we need, we need to start a crying thing. Somebody vandalized a, uh, uh, synagogue, not a synagogue, a uh, headstone, a Jewish headstone. This is very terrible news coming out of. I don't know where it's coming out, of, but it's really bad news, folks. You gotta, you can't do that. You know, we just can't do that. So imagine because somebody put some graffiti on it, actually, as a Holocaust museum, basically a museum of fraud and Jewish intolerance. Three hundred and fifty. Can you imagine motivating three hundred and fifty people? To come and worship and support your enemy. 350 representatives and religious groups, county and government officials, and Westchester residents gathered after anti-Semitic materials were used to vandalize a county memorial honoring those lost in the Holocaust. But they weren't lost in the Holocaust. That's the funny thing. They weren't lost. The people who were lost were the Americans, the British, the Germans, especially the Germans and the Russians. Those are the people who were lost. There was a story came out of the, out of, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Israel recently. And it was from a kid, 20 something kid. And he, uh, heard about the Holocaust all the time. And he finally got pissed off because he researched it. And what he learned, to his huge dismay, was that his mother lied about being a survivor. His or his grandmother lied. His grandfather lied about being a survivor. In fact, they were never even in Germany. They were never in Germany. And these Jewish people, guys, had the gall to claim that they were, quote-unquote, survivors. And for their entire life, they took money from the German people in a purely fraudulent way, and being Jews, they didn't even have a guilty conscience, apparently. They just took the money. These are the levels of unethical behavior. And this isn't Zionist. This isn't whatever. It's Jews here. Imagine, and you're growing up as a Jewish kid, and you start to research your family history, and you learn that your entire story, your entire culture, your entire family is nothing but an unethical, disgusting fraud. And then he goes on to say, the Holocaust is such hype to crap, it's unbelievable. And that's really how people need to approach it. Because think about it. Every time a Jew comes to our wallets, they say, gimme, gimme, gimme. It's like, dude, I'm born in 19, I'm, I'm old compared to others. I can't imagine what it's like to be 18 to 20. I'd be even be more pissed. But I'm Born in 1962. Would you like to tell me what exactly I have to do with all of your your problems? With your inability to, to just deal with the past and move on? And why you need to drag me into your past so that I'm actually a part of your past? And you want to put your freaking hand in my wallet and take my money to feed your inability to deal with the past? Are you Jews okay? Because that's how I feel nowadays. Are you guys really Okay that all you can do is get your money into our pockets from those of us who had nothing to do with that time period. 
because you can't even deal with a past that you yourself weren't even a party to? Think about it, man. These people are insane. This is an insane asylum ruling over our nations, and they're declaring war on us if we don't, quote-unquote, not love them. Hey, if you hate us, we're going to declare war on Jew hate. Excuse me. You, you're talking about what again? One shooting? And we're, again, remember, we're enduring thousands of attacks per year because of Jews and their policies. Where, where is, again, I, I talked about that, I know, the first hour, but it's kind of like the theme of this show today, is we are in a situation now where, where is the united attack against Jews and their policies? Jews and their media. Again, they're the ones declaring war on us, not the other way around. They're openly declaring war on us. Here they're talking about sending 350 people for basically uh, vandalizing a fraud. <sighs> How stupid are these people? Can you imagine you live on a planet where grown-ups behave like five-year-olds? They believe in Santa Claus still, and there's nothing wrong with believing in Santa Claus at five, but these guys are grown adults and they're getting up there in front of their microphones and they're professing this allegiance to this fairy tale that is completely absurd and you're like what is the matter with you people on this planet seriously if i'm looking at it from afar i'm like what is the matter with this planet who are these jews do you realize how stupid these people are and look at you you're sitting there in your blue suit and your red tie and your polished shoes and you're talking about how, oh, we have to fight anti-Semitism. It's like, they hate you. They can't stand you. They want to enslave you. At the political elite level, absolutely this is true. And you're like up there professing like you're a do-gooder. Oh, we must help the, the poor oppressed Jews because they have been oppressed through time. And the whole thing's a fraud. Never ever is the reality of the give and take between Jews and non-Jews ever dealt with in today's modern history. It's just a one-way street. Oh, we Jews are so... Give me a break, man. And this is where I've become kind of I don't know if you want to call it, uh, let's call it frustrated a little bit, angry a little bit. Because we're honestly dealing with a people, I'm talking about a whole planet, man. Imagine this is planetary wide, even in the Middle East, people are afraid to criticize Jews. And they're in the Middle East. I'm like, have you read your eschatology? And they're like, well, yeah. I said, doesn't it say that you're supposed to rise up and fight Jews with the Christians? And they say, yeah. I said, so what are you afraid of? Why don't you take your seat instead of, you know, taking a back seat and living in a cage? If you listen to shows like this, you're actually given knowledge that very few people out there actually get. So use it. Be practical, be smart, be pragmatic, but get out there and use it. Because it needs a mass awakening. Because this like planet Earth here is like a bunch of sleepwalking, mindless drones. 
watching these politicians. Seriously, I look at these pictures of politicians up there giving speeches, praising and extolling the virtue of Jews and the whole. I'm like, are you out of your freaking mind, dude? Have you been able to grow up past being a seven-year-old? And Jews know this at a senior elite level. That's why they're jailing everybody that doesn't believe them, which should just even be more grist for the grind, as they say. Because it just shows that these people are living a fairy tale. The truth fears zero investigation. So why are Jews so afraid to investigate these past histories? I'd like to know. Do you know? I don't know. But I'd sure like to know. (sighs) The UN, of course, the... United Nations. I didn't know United Nations. It makes sense. Everything nowadays is a corporation, a corpse. Uh, I can't get to that story because it's the Jerusalem Post. You know, the Jerusalem Post and quite a few other Israeli, uh, Israeli, what do you call it? Israeli publications, digital publications are actually banned here in Saudi Arabia. So you can't just kind of pull things up. You got to go try to get them. It's not so easy, quite frankly. So I kind of get headlines and I can't actually see it. Anyways, uh, inside the ilive.com, click on that. Uh, you can join us there and telephone lines one three two three two seven five one three one four. I kind of want to go back to this story real quick about Mr. Jeremy Corbyn's ally, Chris Williamson. Uh, he actually took a case to court. And he lost that court battle to be, quote-unquote, reinstated into the Labor Party after being suspended during the anti-Semitism scandal. Now, when I read, again, headlines like this, I see this as a declaration of war by Jews against Western political leadership. Because what they're saying is, again, unless you worship us Jews, you're not allowed to be in politics. So the ruling, it says, could stop him from standing in his Derby North seat in this coming upcoming snap election. So Jews are saying, you're not allowed to stand. How can you tell me if a Jew who is unelected is telling you who you can and can't vote for, how can you tell me that's not your enemy? Think about it. Jews are sitting there from their high and mighty seat within your countries and they're saying, this person here cannot run for office because I said he's an anti-Semite. Isn't that the very face of a totalitarian dictatorship run by a culture-wide phenomena here? Imagine, it's not democracy when a Jew, seriously, or a Jew apologist or anybody for that matter, even if it's not Jewish as other cultures. But if somebody from an external force can tell you who can and can't run for an office, they decide, no, that's not possible. How is that not totalitarianism? He was accused. Oh, he was accused. Excuse us. So therefore, Jews say he can't run. He was accused of, quote, unquote, using every loophole in the book to keep him out. The MP was suspended last February After saying labor had been too apologetic. Well, guess what? He's right. Because look, because people are so nice, Jews can step on you. They can dictate to you. They can actually tell you who can and can't be your public servants. How can, again, you tell me that Jews are not being totalitarian here? And you should view them as absolute vicious, evil, totalitarian beings. Because they're deciding for you 
and your communities who can actually be your public servants. So therefore, every failure now should be at the very feet of all of those Jews who are responsible and all the Jews that support those people. They should be viewed as terrorists. They should be viewed as fifth-column traitors within the community that is the greater United Kingdom. This is how I view it. And the same in America. Who is a Jew to tell me who I can and can't vote for, who I can and can't give my money to for a presidential election? Excuse me? Oh, you're going to try to destroy me because I, I gave money to David Duke? Really? I, hey, it's my right. And as you say, no, it's not. Yes, you're right, but it's my right to destroy you. And then you're not supposed to have a right to destroy the Jew back in return. Excuse me. What playing field are we playing on? What is this? You have to walk into the playing field with your hands tied behind your back. Jews get to have brass knuckles and every other device available to hit you with, and you're not supposed to be able to defend yourself. Isn't that what we are dealing with when we talk about Jewish smashing of people, when we talk about Jews destroying people, when we talk about how the left, if you want to go down this direction, canceling shows for things they said 612 years ago? I can imagine, you know, Mr. Fetch, uh, technology's come a long way. And uh, uh, I know your name is Mr. Simon, you know, Mr. Mr. Smith now, but uh, we know that you're uh, reincarnated back to, you know, this is like the year 3050, right? Uh, you know, you go back a thousand years ago, 2019, uh, you are then known as Mr. Fetcho, and we now see your words. We still have them preserved in time. And because you were anti-Jewish way back then, and, uh, you, you know, we're just not going to allow you to have a job now because we, we, you know, we can't tolerate this. You had a very bad attitude 1,000 years ago, and Jews are that vindictive. That's the funny thing about this. They're actually that vindictive. And again, imagine having a totalitarian mindset, uh, a dictatorial mindset, and then vindictiveness with it. And how can you not then tell me that you are faced against a great evil? There's no compassion in the Jewish community. Do you think that all of those people voting for open borders, Jews for open borders, do you really think they care about the harm and the crimes that are going to come down the road? Absolutely not. But they're going to want you to rally behind them every time somebody snaps and takes a shot at one of them. It's a rather interesting world, quite frankly, when you start to study it from this angle. So, again, from banning people to dictating to us who can and can't serve us as our public servants to deciding what we can and can't say, what we must and must not believe, to using instruments of violence against people if they don't believe what the Jews tell them they must believe, which is also known as jailing people. How can you tell me that this is a benevolent culture and how can you not have some areas of disgust with it but also a loathing for that which is really not serving humanity at large see you don't have to be a nationalist to understand all this you just have to equally be a humanitarian believe in the human family and fight and stand up against that which is evil and nobody should back down in the face of it. It's the fetch, everybody. Inside the iLive Prime Time. Thanks for listening. A little bit of a sermon esque 
trip today, but we'll see you Saturday inside the iLive, 10 o'clock a.m. Eastern, right here on Revolution Radio. Good night.